What's going on, guys? This is Zoom Disputed Football. I'm Evan. And I'm Nathan. And we're going to be talking about the NFL. We're going into week 10 now. So the biggest takeaway from last week was the Saints over the Buccaneers. It wasn't even a competitive game. I think a lot of people felt like the Buccaneers, after how they played against the Packers, how they played against the Raiders, people thought they were starting to kind of pull away as the best team in the NFC. But this game was not even competitive. It was ugly in a wide variety of ways. What was your main takeaway from this game? And should we be worried about the Buccaneers? Um, I've, I've always said from the beginning, I always had like some kind of thought in the back of my mind that told me this team wasn't going to be as big as we thought. Obviously, they're not some team that, you should, that um, people shouldn't be worried about considering the personnel and players they have. Obviously, they have Tom Brady, the GOAT, and then just the special weapons that they have. They're definitely going to be an all-around good team. But coming into the season, I, there was just something about them that made me feel like they weren't going to be as successive of a team that most um, analysts and people made them out to be. Um, just based off what I saw that one game, it just seemed as if like Tampa Bay was unprepared and Tom Brady and Bruce Arians just didn't seem to be kind of in sync. And listening to that post-game interview from Bruce Arians, it sounded like he put a kind of a little bit of the fault on Tom Brady, actually. Like I remember in some press conference interview, he mentioned um, um, they were talking about Mike Evans not getting as much as, as many um, attempts as um, they had thought to and basically what he said is, yeah, he was open, but Tom Brady just missed him. So kind of just like putting a little bit of a blame on him. So I feel like there's definitely a little bit of a, either, I don't know what it is, whether it's like play calling that there's disagreements or just not the right play style that fits Tom Brady. But I definitely think there's something between the coaches and personnel there that, that are um, not allowing this team to, to reach its full potential for sure. I mean, I'm not overly concerned about the Buccaneers. I know this last game was pretty troubling, but I still think just with the talent there and what we've seen them do, you know, the whole thing with the Buccaneers, we've always known that they're, they're talented. That's always been the big thing with this team. It's been about being for able sure. to put it together for multiple weeks at a time. And we've seen it, the, you know, we've seen it against the Packers and you saw the exact opposite. And they, the thing that the Buccaneers have going for them is that they, when they lose, they're really beating themselves. And that was the thing like they, lost to the bears it was because they played terribly and so the buccaneer yep. solution is to play better they can like they're capable of playing better and that's the difference between a team like them and the bears for like the bears to beat a good team the bears need to hope that good team doesn't play well when the buccaneers play well they can beat anyone in the league and it's just getting that consistency down uh i you know you do wonder you know i think this game just snowballed because it felt like everything went wrong so i feel like brady brady was not good Definitely wasn't good, but I feel like he wasn't. So his first interception was a batted screen. Okay, that that's pretty unlucky. His second interception was a uh, was a miscommunication with Antonio Brown, where it's like that's not really. I mean, that's we don't know exactly who that was on, but that's a guy who just got into the you know just is on the team. This is his first game back in over a year, and there's just some miscommunication. So it looked like a terrible interception, but had they been on the same page, that could have been a completion. Then the third one, it was just, they were being blown out by so much Brady. It was, that one was an ugly pick, but I think that was just so late in the game. He was just trying to make something happen. And so I think that everything kind of snowballed. What I would say is that from the Saints perspective, I think it's more difficult. I think it's going to be difficult to beat the same team three times. I mean, we see division, divisional games are usually pretty competitive. This one wasn't, even the first game wasn't that close, but I just say, I still believe that the Buccaneers, like I'm not, this game was definitely like, it was a bad game. I don't think there's any other way to put it, but I'm not too worried about them long-term. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. Like I said, like I've, I've always said, I've had my doubts in the beginning of the season, but you can't take away from the talent and personnel that's on that team. They're definitely set up to make a deep run in the playoffs. 
And I definitely wouldn't get too worried about it. But like I said, it's just something in me that doesn't, that doesn't just wow me and pizzazz me as much as everybody else. And again, I just give credit to the saints. Like they blew them out just right in that first half scoring 31 points before even halftime even began. Like, I just feel Sean Payton and Drew Brees were just like on another level and had a strict game plan. They stuck to it and they were just pretty much successful and were the better team. Yes. The Buccaneers made some mistakes, but just that first half alone, the saints just like completely dominated. So definitely credits oh, to that team for sure. For sure. I mean, I think it kind of speaks to Tom, uh, to not Tom Brady, Drew Brees' greatness because his arm is completely deteriorated on Mike Brady, who actually is still throwing it pretty well for someone who's 43. You know, Brees may have the, the weakest arm in the league. I really don't think that's an overstatement. And yet he's still producing and he's on a good offense. And it just speaks to his feel for the game, and his football IQ. And so the fact that the Saints, because all year it's been a concern. Like I remember watching week one, I'm like, man, his arm looks shot. But there does come a point where how many games do you win before you start saying, you know, it might be an obstacle, but he's finding a way to overcome it. And one of the things, the one thing that I would add before we move on is I was interested to see, because the Buccaneers have the personnel they have the defensive talent. I wanted to see them run a little bit more man coverage because they they ran a lot of zone. And what zone does is there are, you know, there are holes, there are soft spots. And for a guy like Breeze, who has some of the best eyes, and we talked about his feel for the game, he was able to find those. I think if you run that, you know, that press man coverage, tight man coverage, you're going to force Breeze to really throw it, you know, have to gun it into tight spaces. I think that might be the best strategy. Obviously, that's easier said than done. But I wonder if going forward, I mean, they've tried twice with the Saints. It hasn't worked well. You got to change something up. I wonder if that's something they do in the future. Yeah, it actually wouldn't surprise me if they move that way. I mean, when you have Drew Brees throwing the ball and a guy like Michael Thomas who's going to be receiving them, it's definitely going to put your defense in a lot tougher position considering that the football IQ and their ability to find holes in, in zone coverage defenses. So I definitely can see them moving to that strategy, especially since, like you mentioned, playing a lot tighter coverage gives um, – quarterbacks uh, a lot less opportunity to get those holes and there's a lot tighter windows to throw to so I definitely would have to agree with you there I feel like that'd be a better strategy especially with a division rival like the Saints you've obviously faced them twice you know them a little bit more so I feel like it's obviously going to be up to the defensive coordinator and them to really study the tape and try and figure out how how to limit this offense because with guys like um, Drew Brees throwing the ball and Michael Thomas catching it it's not going to be it's a lot easier said than done for sure. So we move over to another game from week nine. And this one, I mean, the Steelers won, but it was about as ugly as you can get for a win. 24-19 against the Cowboys and the legend of Garrett Gilbert. So, I mean, watching that game, what are your thoughts on, you know, not just this team being good, but like their playoff, their playoff potential. What do you see there? Um, well, since with the recent news now, with uh, obviously Ben Roethlisberger um, attaining COVID and being under COVID protocol, I think that's going to play a crucial role. Because like like I had said in the last episode when we were talking about MVPs, I feel like Ben Roethlisberger is the epitome of this team, and it, it is what and he is what's making this team very successful, especially obviously offensively and with what he does with the football and his football IQ. With him being out, um, I really don't see their potential being as great as as it is with him on the field. Like, yes, they're undefeated and they have a top tier defense, which I think can definitely carry them a long ways. I mean, we've seen it with other teams, like with the Bears, as long as you have a top three defense, you can find a way to win football games. And with people with backups like Mason Rudolph, they're like obviously somewhat average quarterback. So I don't think they're going to just completely like lose every game because he's out. But because we don't know too much about the health of Ben Roethlisberger I mean, that's definitely my gonna... question would be do you think that's a long term like do you think him getting COVID obviously isn't good 
Do you think that's a long going to be a long term issue though? I mean, the playoffs are a couple of months away. No, I don't think that's going to be a long term issue. But what I do think might be a long term issue. They could lose the division. Yeah, that's 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 one thing. If depending on how long he's going to be out, because obviously there's COVID protocols. Get a. I mean, it's not it's, ha- a, it's a weird thing because like Matthew Stafford was on the COVID list and then he played. You know. Yeah, like I know. Week. Like, like it's really interesting to me how like different teams and organizations and leagues, for that matter, are are taking into account this whole COVID situation. So I, obviously that's just up for question in the air. It's just a matter of what happens with the protocol and whether he tests negative or not. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But one thing that does concern me is the knee injuries that he had during that game. Um, he obviously came out. I, I wasn't for sure for, for too long how, how long he was out and on the sideline or in the back getting checked out. But those injuries, especially at his age, getting closer to uh, being an older quarterback and a veteran in the league, I feel like that's definitely a concern, um, especially being the, um, the man that he is for sure. No, I mean, I, I think I have a little bit of a different reasoning, but when I look at the Steelers, you know, they're, they're undefeated, but I don't think many people are recognizing them as the best team in the league. And I think one of the reasons why that is, is because they have this great defense, but it's the inconsistency of the offense. And you talk about Roethlisberger and he's done a great job. And we talked about, um, on the last podcast, how he's done a really good job of evolving as a quarterback from this, you know, gunslinger, lots of big time plays, lots of big negative plays to a guy who's much more in the middle. And even though his touchdown numbers are up, he's not making nearly as many, you know, deep shot, crazy throws. And part of that is he doesn't have Antonio Brown anymore. He doesn't have Le'Veon. Like he doesn't have some of the same weapons that allowed him to make those big plays. And he's doing a good job of just distributing it. They don't have a clear cut number one guy. They just have several good weapons. And he's doing a good job of letting them make the plays and then letting the defense really control the game. He's not trying to do too much. Uh, and so I think that's good. But the thing that worries me about that is the offense, you know, they haven't been terribly consistent. When you look at the Ravens game where they were able to win that game, but I wondered going forward, can you rely on the defense forcing four turnovers on Lamar Jackson? I just don't know if you can. And, you know, they've, the Steelers were able to benefit from a couple of turnovers against Dallas. And most teams are better than Dallas, but it's the fact that they put up 24 points on, a defense that pretty much everyone has been scoring on, you know, like when you look at, especially earlier in the season, when you had like Falcons, 39 Seahawks, 38 Browns, 49 giants, 34, you know, like it's, and the fact they were only able to put up 24 and they had that be a competitive game. I just worry. I think it's still the second best team, the AFC, but with the number one team being the chiefs, I'm not sure how well the Steelers match up with them. Yeah, no, for sure. I would have to agree. Like, like I said, in the last podcast to me, Patrick Mahomes is going to be your MVP for the year. And there's no offense or team that I feel that is the, the most all around best fit team than the chiefs. Like they are definitely going to, they are my number one pick to, to run through the AFC. And you mentioned, you brought up that, that win that they had against um, the Ravens. Like, yes, the defense had four turnovers and can you really rely on the defense to do that again? And then when you look at the second best team or another really good team that they played the Tennessee Titans, Ben Roethlisberger had three interceptions that game. That was probably his worst game of the season with having those three interceptions. And typically when you have three interceptions in a football game, you're not winning. So by them winning 27 to 24 in that football game, it just shows how, how well that that defense has been able to somewhat carry this team and how good of a defense they have. So, yeah, I definitely can see your concerns there, especially when the two top teams that you have played, which are the Titans and, and the Ravens, were only won by one-score games, and it was mostly because of your defense for winning that game. There's definitely some holes in there that gives me a lot of doubts for them um, trying to make it to the top of the AFC. 
I mean, and when you look at the AFC, like, I don't know if there's any team that matches up well with Kansas City when you have the roster that they have. I don't know if and there's any, no, a team that's, like, a good matchup against them. But what I would say is you want, like, you know, if you had old-school Ben Roethlisberger who was just gunning it, and he might have those turnovers, but you knew you could get those big plays out of him. And so, like, that's why the guy I look at, I look at the Bills. And I think I think the Chiefs probably beat the Bills. I think they're the – I mean, the Chiefs are the best team in the league right now. But – a team like the Bills, and you have Josh Allen, he'll have those games. And it's, it hasn't been – we've also seen him have some, you know, lesser games this year. But he has that potential to go off. And with that offense, I feel like you have to – I mean, you have to score points. You can't, you can't go and play Kansas City and win 25 points and expect to win. You're going to have to score a lot. And I look at the Bills, and they're at least capable of putting up a lot of points. And so that's the team to me that I think matches up semi-well with Kansas City. Yeah, no, for sure. If I had to pick, the Bills would definitely be that team to maybe match up and actually have a fighting chance against the Chiefs. I mean, obviously, these teams are re- are really good and have good records. They're at the top of the divisions for a reason. But like you said, especially after this weekend, um, seeing Josh Allen go neck and neck with a potential MVP candidate in Russell Wilson this year is it just really surprised me. Well, didn't didn't really well, surprise I mean, the me. But it just defense is terrible. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right, for sure. That that, that defense is definitely uh, not what it used to be with the Legion of Boom. But, I mean, still, he still competed and um, put up, what, like 30-something points or 40-something points in that game? And Bills that's put obvi- up 44, yeah. Yeah, so obviously in the NFL, that you can't just take that as something that's really easy. Otherwise, all teams would do it. But, yeah, definitely, if you look at the, the matchups and the personnel that they have, that's definitely a team that can definitely match up against Kansas City and potentially give them a run for their money for sure. So then the team that Kansas City played in the Super Bowl last year, San Francisco, they're on a very different trajectory right now. And it's not necessarily because of talent, but injuries are still a part of football and they're kind of seen as out of the playoff race almost. I mean, they're missing so many guys. And there's been some talk over the last week of the 49ers moving on potentially from Jimmy Garoppolo. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I'm actually for the idea of moving on for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, honestly, um, honestly, I feel like either they go somewhere with the potential of getting somebody out out of the draft. Maybe I know we talked about this last week, maybe trading for somebody like Josh Allen. I mean, um, um, what's his name? Um, Sam Darnold from the jets. I definitely would prefer that route. Honestly, I feel like a guy like as, as young as Sam Darnold would definitely develop really well, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I really admire Kyle Shanahan as a coach, and I feel like he's one of the more bright offensive minds in the league. For so sure. I feel like him being put, um, being coached by him is definitely going to help him develop more and possibly um, develop into the potential that we all thought he might have been. So I definitely, if I was the 49ers, that's that's the route that I would definitely be looking into. I just feel like since since Jimmy Garoppolo made it when um arrived with the 49ers I never really thought he was going to be the star-studded stud that was just going to be some prodigy of the Bill Belichick era and um, just somebody to take uh, the throne after Tom Brady like most people thought he was going to be I never really saw him as that I I, he's a good quarterback don't get me wrong but I just feel like with the injuries that he's had the past couple of season and just the numbers that he's put up it really hasn't um, persuaded me into thinking that he is going to be your franchise quarterback. So I definitely would want to see the 49ers trying either draft a quarterback or make a trade for Sam Darnold. So then my question for you would be, you talk about Sam Darnold's future, but like, are the Niners really looking for a quarterback of the future or are they looking for a win now guy? I actually think 
They the, the 49ers definitely are looking are have a win now mentality considering exactly. I mean the, you, that, the that entire roster is win now. That, that's oh yeah, I'm for saying. sure. With George Kittle, um, you obviously have that a entire really good, defense. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. But I feel like with a guy like Sam Darnold, he's in his what second year in the league, right? Second, third? He's in his third season. Yeah, third third season in the league. He's he's already got some experience under his belt being the starting quarterback. Yes, it's been under a team that hasn't really developed him well and hasn't given him the personnel. But maybe with a guy like Kyle Shanahan and the special weapons that he has, I give him a year or two and maybe he is that stud quarterback that we all thought thought to be. And there are the players that the 49ers have all are under contract and are definitely young enough to give Darnold that one to two years to learn the offense and develop in the organization. And I feel like that's just enough time to get to where you want to be. Well, for sure. I- I think you have the coach there and he's really, he's a young coach and he'll be there, but you do have to look at for when you talk about great defenses, their life cycle is usually pretty short. When you talk about teams like even the Legion of boom, you know, they were great for a few years. Well, they're, they're terrible now. You know, it only took it a, couple, a few years after they won that Super Bowl for the defense to start to become average. And now it's bad. You saw that Denver defense that won the Super Bowl. Uh, over over Carolina within a couple of years they were gone my worry is you know they have a great defense they have a great roster but the concern is is that how well is that going to last over time And with a guy like Darnold the thing is what we said we I think we both believe he could be pretty good under the right coaching but he has to get the right coaching before we know that and even if he does is good under that it will take him a couple of years to develop and I think you look at Jimmy Garoppolo I don't know if you want to just go and destroy everything for a guy who's an unknown because you know you can make the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo because you did. I mean, they almost won the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. And so I don't know if, you know, for the guys who are available, Darnold could be the answer, but he also might not be. And what happens if you get rid of him and he's not the answer? Well, then you have to go get another guy. I don't believe Garoppolo is going to improve very much. He's 29 years old. I don't think he has like, you know, this tremendous upside. But I don't know if they need him to be spectacular. I think he fits what they do there very well. And you also, when you talk about the draft, I mean, obviously, if you can draft a guy, that's great. But, you know, where the Niners are, they're not going to be able to get a Lawrence or a Fields. You know, they're probably going to have to settle for a guy later on. And it's the same discussion of, you know, do you have the patience to wait a few years while you have this win now roster? Yeah, I definitely would agree with you there. But my question to you is, can – is he – is he reliant in terms of injuries? Like, obviously, he's had that big knee injury. He's injured this year. What are your thoughts I mean, in terms of him being healthy? So he tore his ACL. So I think that's mostly a fr- uh, like that's kind of a freaky injury. I don't think that's something that's too much of a concern. And this ankle, the problem with his ankle is he came back too soon. It's not like his body's made of glass kind of thing. It's he got injured. He came back before he probably should have. Because if you watch the Miami game, he wasn't planting on his foot the way you're supposed to. And that was because of his, his ankle. And so then because he came back probably before he was ready, he, I, you know, he injured it again. Now it's, you know, kind of a worse injury in that area. So I would say, I don't believe that should be your concern, but I mean, even like, I don't think that's the reason to move off of him, especially because, you know, he was fully healthy last season. Um, I mean, I think that is something to factor in there, but I don't know if that's, you know, that, that in itself is enough reason to move on because, you know, Darnold got injured this year, you know, he's had, He's been and he's also been behind a terrible offensive line and getting beat up. So I, I think that is a fair point, but I just don't I don't know if that would be my biggest concern. Because if you believe Garoppolo can be the guy, I don't think you move off of him because he came back too early from an ankle injury. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely think did think he came a little bit too early, but I think that's just the grit and fighting him of wanting to be there for his team and get, give the team a winning chance. So, so I, I think that just speaks to his mentality and his, his will to play the game. But um, in, in my eyes, I do feel like that's a little bit of a concern. Obviously, he's probably going to be sidelined for the rest of the season or maybe well, come back. I, late, I think late you do. Season. I think you sideline him regardless. Like, I don't think because I, I mean, and that's a similar thing with Kittle, where Kittle is capable of coming back. If I'm the 49ers, I don't see any purpose because, you know, assuming the division that they're in, they're probably not going to be in playoff contention. So why risk it? Yeah, no, for sure. I remember we we talked about this a little bit last week, and we both agreed that we don't think they're going to have any circumstances in which they have the ability to make the playoffs those last couple of games. So definitely um, would have to agree with you there on keeping it in the safe side and uh, just sidelining them. But yeah, that, that's just one of my concerns for sure, especially since we're not going to be able to see how he performs after this ankle injury. Obviously, an ankle injury is something a little bit, a little bit of concern considering it, it's, it's a crucial part in the quarterback position with all the movement and dropbacks that quarterbacks have to do. So I would just have to see how that plays out. And hopefully I'm obviously hoping he comes back fully healthy and um, um, steps on the field again next season. But um, yeah, that's just my concern for sure. Just making sure that he's healthy. Um, I definitely would want to see maybe since he, I don't think that he's going to grow in potential and get better as a quarterback. I wouldn't mind seeing that move with Sam Darnold, but again, obviously there's a bunch of different risk and uh, liabilities that come with that. So it's just a matter of um, waiting to see what Jimmy Garoppolo does next season. So we talked a little bit about getting potential quarterbacks, quarterbacks of the future. Well, we have two quarterbacks of the future squaring off this Sunday. We have the chargers and the dolphins. This is going to be a pretty exciting game. I mean, you know, I know chargers dolphins, that matchup itself doesn't scream too much excitement, but who the two quarterbacks are that really does. What are your thoughts about that game? I'm really excited to see this game. I didn't even know they were going to play this this weekend. I honestly thought it was next weekend, but I just found that out. So I'm super excited. Uh, um, definitely a matchup that we've all been wanting to see coming into the season. I'm pretty sure even though Tua wasn't the starting quarterback, most people were kind of hoping to get this rookie versus rookie matchup. Definitely when you have two of the top five um, quarterbacks that were drafted this season, it's always going to be a, a highlight match to watch. I definitely think it's going to be interesting considering what a surprise or in my eyes really wasn't a surprise because I was always a big fan of Justin Herbert, but unlike other analysts who believe Justin Herbert wasn't as good as Tua Tagovailoa, it's definitely going to be really interesting to see how Justin Herbert performs, especially after many people thought he wasn't as good as the, the quarterback that he's going to be facing this weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think also when you look, well, first off, Tua is still only a couple weeks removed from playing his first game in a calendar year, pretty much, you know, I don't think, and my biggest concern with Tua, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is that, you know, he was going to always be compared to Burrow and Herbert, regardless of what he did, because those are the guys in his quarterback class. And that's like the reason why no one talks about Marcus Mariota being a bust, because even though he was bad, there was no one really that good in his, you know, Jameis Winston was the only guy who went ahead of him. So no one really talks about it because of his class and so I think two I so far he's looked really good I don't want to make two I don't want to jump to conclusions one way or the other after two weeks but he has you know I have everything I've seen has been what I've wanted to see from him to believe he's going to be the Dolphins quarterback of the future uh when it comes to the teams themselves you know I think you have a I think you have two teams on the opposite side you have one that has overachieved dramatically in the Miami Dolphins that's not a very talented team but they're very well coached and they found ways to win games against teams that are much more talented than them. And then on the flip side, you have the Chargers, and they are a Oof. much more talented team. I mean, they found ways 
you know, they are a team that really easily could be in the playoff hunt. They've just found ways to lose these games every week. They find a new way to lose a close game. Yeah, no, I just feel like the Chargers have been really unlucky. Like, I feel like they're just like the Falcons. Their games always come down to either the last plays or some key mistakes or just some big plays that happens at the end of the games. And they end up losing. Like like you said, they could have easily had to have their record flipped and easily be looking at a playoff contention right now, maybe being one of the top teams in their division or possibly even in, in, um, in the conference. But, yeah, no, I just feel like they've had a, a bunch of unlucky plays and um, games go their way. But just looking, looking at um, Justin Herbert's stats with over 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, he's definitely – um, I'm pretty sure, according to most people, outperformed their expect- expectations as of so far. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the matchup again with only one full start under Tua Tagovailoa's belt. It's going to be interesting to see how he comes off that win and um, comes back and performs in another game coming off a win and seeing how the Dolphins adjust and playing a, a team like the Chargers. So I- I'm really excited to see the matchup for sure. Who's your pick for the game? If I had to pick right now, I am going to go with the Chargers. I see, think the, te- the team is better, and I just don't think I'm – th- I'm thinking they're going to luck out this weekend and not, not lose at the end of games like they I mean, have before. Being the better team has not stopped them from losing a bunch of games <laughs> this year. But, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, on the other, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, like I said, where you know the Chargers are a team that their talent – would suggest their their talent is much better than the record would suggest. And they really are just a couple plays away from being, you know, even just four and four. You talk about if the last play of the game against the Broncos doesn't happen and if the Chargers don't get that call overturned, you know, they're four and four. And that doesn't even go into account, you know, they missed a field goal to beat the Saints five and three. Like you can keep going down the list of games. And I think it, I think everyone's so excited about Herbert. No one's really talking about it, but I do kind of wonder in the future because the one thing I do think about, I've said about two. I think he has his coach. I think Flores, even though Brian Flores, you know, he's not the offensive guy, really. I think he's a great coach because he, he has a team that is winning games that, you know, at a rate that a team with that kind of talent probably shouldn't. And with the Chargers, I do wonder what they do with Lynn going forward because they, you know, how many games do you lose like that before you say, maybe this guy isn't really meant to coach in those tight game situations. Yeah, no, they're definitely on on opposite spectrums when it comes to coaching. I, I'm with you with Flores. I definitely think the Miami Dolphins have their coach and it's going to be great to see what he does with that team in the future, especially now that they have their franchise quarterback. It's going to be be nice to see what they do with the draft and, tr- and uh, trade deadlines in the future to see what they do to build around him and build the organization. But with Lynn, it's kind of, he's in the complete opposite boat. Like he's losing these games by one score games. They're always in games until either the last play or something just happens to where they don't pull off the win. And like you said, it's only a matter of time before you start to question the head coach and his abilities to win football games. So um, if that does end up going the wrong way, it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to impact Herbert and him possibly going to have to um, completely shift and learn a new whole new offense or just, a whole new protocol for an organization. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there, considering the quarterbacks are in opposite spectrums in terms of coaching staff, for sure. So that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Got anything you want to add, Nate? Um, no, if you guys would want to follow our podcast on social media, definitely go check us out. We're going to be um, at Zoom Disputed on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, yeah, follow us. We have a lot of content, other segments posted on the podcast. So we'd appreciate it if you go and give them a listen as well.